Bread comes in many different varieties, but the only bread that nourishes our souls, hearts, and lives is Jesus Christ. Bread of Life is sponsored by the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. You can contact us by calling us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Join us now for the Bread of Life. Here's Joel Van Hoogen. We begin today by simply reading Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. We noted in our last message on Hebrews 13 that the whole book of Hebrews up to chapter 13 has been intent on focusing on the grand theme of the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Christ as he's exalted in his personhood, as he is exalted in his positions as prophet and priest and savior and king as he's exalted in his saving work, proclaiming God's truth, fulfilling the demands of the law, providing a perfect sacrifice for our sins, and rising from the dead and ascending into the presence of God in order to present that sacrifice on our behalf. After this thorough exaltation of Christ throughout the first 12 chapters of Hebrews, we come to Hebrews chapter 13, and now in application is made into how we're to live, how we're to respond to, and where those glorious truths lead us in our own interaction with them, in our own responsiveness to them. And what we noted in our last message on the book of Hebrews is that this is always God's order for his followers, for the believer. We always move from the grand and great truths that God has made known to us to noble and good practice. We always move, in a sense, down upon our practices from great and grand and mighty and majestic truths. The movement of the Christian life is not a struggle upward to advance some line of holiness to prove ourselves, to scale some great mount, nailing in some peg in the wall, and then pulling ourselves up and nailing another peg into the great wall and pulling ourselves up until we reach some lofty place. No, the the Christian life is a flowing down from the grand and great and wonderful truths that God has opened up for us and God has brought us into through Jesus Christ and through the outpouring of His Holy Spirit upon our lives. The Christian life is a life that is a movement downward like an eagle who comes down and freely settles in upon a nest or settles into rest upon a perch or a place. That's how obedience works. Obedience is merely grace being played out. Obedience is merely God's great and grand mercy and salvation being celebrated and being expressed in the freedom of the life that God has given us. It's a life of repose in Him. It's a life of trust and rest in the empowerment that God gives us by the great saving, transforming work that He's done within us. It changes the way and the reason why we do things, and it changes the vantage point at which we come to things, 
You may be in a difficult situation, a testing relationship, and where you're being asked to do certain things and you think it's not in your power and you look at the person that you feel like you need to respond to in a gracious or proper or submissive manner and you don't find them at that time likable and you discover that even when you do the right thing, they're not very appreciative and whatever it is. And to you, it's a struggle to climb up to and to motivate yourself to do the right thing. But you know it's what God wants you to do and so you try and you fail and the problem is because you try. Because you've got your eye on that individual and you're climbing your way up to do the right thing before them. And that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is that you're a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That you've been brought into His presence and you've been declared holy before Him. And He's poured His Spirit upon you. And you've made an heir of all eternity. And you have been filled with His Spirit You've been redeemed and brought into a right relationship with the God of all creation. And out of all of that fullness and all of that wholeness and all of that spiritual health and vitality, you just let trickle out from you. The expressions of that life, even before difficult and challenging people, and great humility, and great humility because of what God has done for you. Humility that is lined with the life of Jesus Christ and full of gratitude and thankfulness and power redemptive power that's the christian life the christian life when it's lived as god would have us live it is a life that flows down from his salvation his work and therefore this is the order in which god's word always comes to us and god's instruction for the christian always comes with a celebration of these great and grand truths and then after there's a celebration of these great and grand truths there's an application you got to do something with this. This is all bottled up within you. It's all so great and wonderful. Where does this fount pour out to? And the scriptures say, here's where you pour it. You pour it out here and pour it out there and pour it out and expressing it like this and expressing it like that. And we looked at the first few verses of Hebrews 13 and we saw that the one great outflow of all this is love. Love that we pour out upon one another. Love that expresses itself in a manifold way that we saw in the first four verses of Hebrews 13. And we even pointed out that verses 5 and 6 in this expression of contentment is an expression of love. And courage is an expression of love. We're going to look at this more fully this morning. Because this passage that we have before us is another example of how grand truths and how a great unveiling of the status and the state that we have with God has an implication and an application into how we live. And so let's look at it this morning and consider it. What we begin with in this passage is a promise that we have from God, and it's this. God says that He'll never leave and He'll never forsake His children. God says He'll never leave and He'll never forsake His children. When you're facing present difficulties, when you're catching your breath from a challenging yesterday and looking ahead to an unknown and daunting tomorrow, you keep in mind the promises of God. If you want to fix yourself with some understanding of what the future holds and you want to have an idea of what the future holds with any kind of certainty as a believer, come to God's Word and fix your attention on those places where the Lord Jesus says, I will. Where God says, I will. Because when you read those passages, you're reading both a promise and a prophecy for the future. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 gives us some instruction and warning, and it says that we are not to say in such and such a time and at such and such a moment, I am going to do such and such. 
It says instead that when we're facing the plans for the future, that we're to say, if the Lord wills, I'm going to do such and such. I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to do that thing. And the reason is because you don't have control over the future. You don't have control over the circumstances and events that are ahead of you completely, but God does. God determines the future entirely. And so when God says, I will, when Jesus says, I will, he's giving you a promise and he's giving you a prophecy. And so there's a plaque that hung in my parents' home when we were growing up in the kitchen. And some years ago, my older sister had that plaque reduplicated and each one of us now has it somewhere perched in our households. And the plaque says, the future is as bright as the promises of God. The I wills of God. And here is one of those I wills. We can think of some of them. Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus said, I'll give you rest. Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. That where I am, there you may be also. And here in this passage, we have God speaking. And God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The Greek here is emphatic. In fact, the Greek here has a double negative. So that if you were to translate it correctly, God would be saying, I will never, never leave you. I'll never, never, and here it says, give you up. I'll never, never forsake you. I'll never let you go. I'll never, never let you go. Let me just make a couple observations. And the first one is that this promise is pointed uniquely and specifically to the Christian It's a promise to those who have come into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 says that when we believe in Jesus, when we receive Him as our Savior, at that moment God gives us the power to become the children of God, not born by human will, not born by a husband's decision, not even born by our own decision, but born of God. We are God's children, and we are brought at that moment into a relationship with God. I think of the statement, the testimony that was given to us this morning of this 88-year-old man in Cambodia who had said that all his life he had been looking for God and he couldn't find Him. And then he sent his grandson out to go look for God for him. And those who were before him were able to say, we've come to speak of that God to you. I remember the first time that I had somewhat of that thought communicated to me. I was in a a penthouse in Cali, Colombia with a lovely woman speaking to her through her cousin who had brought me to meet with her. And we were waiting for some other individuals to come and arrive so that we could speak to all of them together. But the woman was eager and impatient. So I was trying to engage in small talk just to kind of fend her off before we got into a deep conversation. She interrupted my small talk and said, I just don't know what's wrong with my life. I've been searching for God and searching for God, and I just can't seem to find Him. My answer to her was at that moment, and I know it was of the Lord, and it's stuck with me ever since, and I've used it many other times, and it's this. Well, I have news for you. God is not lost, but you are. God, the God you say you've been searching for, has come searching for you. He's come in the person of Jesus Christ, and He's pursuing you. You're lost. You've wandered from Him. You've wandered from Him in your rebellion against Him and your sin against Him and your refusal to acknowledge Him and worship Him every day. And you're lost and wandering in darkness and you're wandering away to a point in which you will be lost forever. 
Jesus has come to find you. And that's what happens when you become a believer. When you're a believer, you're an individual who's been found of God. And God has brought you back to himself. And you've been brought into a right relationship with him. And what God says is once he finds you and once he lays hold of you in salvation, once you're restored into a relationship with him, God says, I'm never, never going to let you go. I'm never going to let you go. Have you ever had a little child that's gone missing and you've searched for them and you know the panic of trying to find them and the moment at which you found them and you brought them back into your arms, the thought that you had was, I'm never going to let this little one out of my sight again. I'm never going to let them out of my arms. Maybe the story is that you went down to the beach with all of your children and a head count took place and you missed the youngest one and when you finally realized they weren't around, you couldn't find them on the beach, searching up and down the beach. And the next thing you started doing was pacing back and forth around the water line. And then after a while, you yelled at everybody in the water to stop and form a chain so that you could go out and comb through the waters. And your spouse runs back to the car to get a cell phone to call for help or to call people to pray. And as she's wandering back to the car, there among the dunes, picking flowers in the dunes, is this little two-and-a-half-year-old, three-year-old grab that little child in your arms and your thought is uh -huh. I'm never going to let you out of my sight again I'm going to never let you go God's promise comes to us with his arms around us having found us lost in our sins I am never going to let you go let that sink in and rest in him today thanks for joining us at the bread of life our ministry is brought to you by the international evangelism and discipleship ministry church partnership evangelism. To learn more about that work, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship here in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.